This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, as you may remember, after you and I met for the first time at BoucherCon, I had one last conference to go to, and that was the 20 Books to 50K conference in Las Vegas. Yes. And I am used to going there and having people recognize my voice and recognize me from the show, the, uh, the, the podcast that's no longer active called The Author Biz. And I got a lot of that this week, which surprised me because I haven't done an Author Biz episode in almost two years. Wow. It just goes to show how valuable that information was. Yes. But the other thing that, that surprised me for this audience which is a purely an indie author audience, were, was the number of people who approached me to talk about uh, The Taylor Stevens Show and how no. much they enjoyed The Taylor Stevens Show. Are you kidding? I am not that, kidding you. I, you just made my day. I, and <laughs> one of them, I'm going, to, I'm going to relay a couple of different conversations. One of them said, uh, was talking about how much they got out of, and they said they had just listened to the episode where you went through and uh, we'll just call it, uh, carefully went through um, the first, uh, the opening scenes of the Reggie book. Oh, you're not going to say I eviscerated you today? No, not today. <laughs> not today. Um, and, and they talked about how much they got out of that show and how helpful that particular episode was to them. Uh, but the one, the one thing I want to mention today, and this goes, this goes back in time, about a year and a half ago, I said something in the Taylor Stevens fan club group on Facebook about being interested in art heist books. And someone, I can't remember who it was, was kind enough to recommend a series by Estelle Ryan that begins with the Gauguin Connection. And I started reading that series and I really loved it. And I, I will circle back around to that. Anyway, I was walking down the hall, and this woman comes up to me and says, you're Steve Campbell, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, you know, I loved your podcast, blah, 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 blah. And now I listen to The Taylor Stevens Show, and I really enjoy that. And I have, you know, I, I just published my first book, and, you know, we chatted for a little while, and... I asked her what the book was about, and she explained it in some detail where it's about these four autistic young men who get together. It sounded like a very interesting book who, uh, who get together and to, to try and form a life together as they're moving into adulthood. And I happened to mention the, the series. I couldn't remember the name of the book. But I said, I'd read this series that had been mentioned in the Taylor Stevens fan club group um, that had the main character was autistic. And because we had been talking about how hard it is to represent autism in a way that makes sense to people and, and that is authentic. 
And so I mentioned this book to her and, and told her how much I enjoyed the series. So early last week, she sent me an email that I will read a little bit of. Um, so during our brief chat, you mentioned a book to me. It was about a person with autism and an art heist. I think at the time you couldn't recall the name. I've Googled, and I'm wondering if this is the story. And then she puts in the link for the Gauguin connection. I'm always looking for a good book, especially one that does a good job presenting autism since that hits so close to home. If this is the book to, that you've read, please let me know. And at the, she closes with, somewhere in the midst of rolling out my book and listening to the conference sessions I missed, I'll be listening to and learning from the Taylor Stevens podcast. Thanks to both of you for taking the time to record a show that provides real value. I subscribe to many podcasts, but only two make my must-listen list, The Taylor Stevens Show and Writing Excuses. I'm not a fan of tattoos, ouch, but character in motion scrawled somewhere I can constantly see it might not be a bad idea. Thankfully, the second book requires far less setup and won't have a minimum of four characters in every scene. And then she closes, I hope that the Reggie book will finally have its birthday in 2020. So anyway, I thought that was great. Uh, the, the fact that she even remembers some of the specifics of the show, and she had mentioned some, of, some other things while we, were, while we were chatting. I wish we had her name and we could just thank her. Her That's name is Echo so Miller. That's her, that is her um, author name is Echo Miller. And so her, if anyone wants to check out her books. I yes, so let me, let me look that up really quickly. Because it really did look good. Uh, the Insiders Club. And it, it is on pre-order now. So it, it comes out December 1st. And click. I just bought the pre-order. Because I am really curious about, I'm curious to read it. So anyway, Echo Miller, thank you. It was great meeting you. And I wish you all the success in the world with your book. And I wanted to share some of the things you'd said with uh, Taylor and our audience. So thank you for that. Thank you, Echo. I'm so glad that this show has been helpful to you. I just totally made my day. I'm going to try not to be emotional right now. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about those manuscripts that you have in the drawer. I have one or two. I know that Taylor <laughs> has at least one, probably more. And so the topic is going to be bringing these manuscripts back to life and what kind of process we should use to do that. So, Taylor, I, I pulled out a manuscript, a, um, a Reno Hart manuscript that I had forgotten that I had – I remembered writing it. I didn't realize that I had actually finished it. And in looking back through it, I could see that I was playing, transitioning from first person to third person in some of the chapters. And I'm looking at it going, wow, I don't remember much of this at all, and I'd really like to go through it again and, and try and revitalize the project while we're working through some other things with the Reggie stuff. And, I, and then I thought, that this is a big job, and I, I wondered if you had any thoughts on how to pull something out of a drawer that you haven't looked at uh, for a couple of years and revitalize it. I think having a finished novel in a drawer that you can pull out is like finding $100 in your pocket that you forgot about. I'm like, that is so cool. Um, I can't say that I have had the best experiences with this because I've only had one novel that was sitting in a drawer and that I pulled, that was finished and I pulled out and 
I did attempt to revitalize it and I think I made great improvements on it, but it, I couldn't sell it. Um, partly I, I, there could be other reasons other than the novel itself. That is the problem we're at play at the time. Um, but it's really hard to separate those when you're dealing with publishing industry and not all the information is clear. So I do know though, that being able to have time away from your work is one of the biggest gifts that you can give to yourself uh, to come back and look at it with fresh eyes. I think for me, one of the most frustrating things about being on sort of this hamster wheel is that I never get that. And in fact, with uh, Liar's Legacy, which is coming out, uh, hey, by the time this podcast release, uh, yeah, hardly even a month. It'll oh, be out. Oh, wow. Woo! That's right. Um, uh, I, uh, I never even had a chance to fully read the entire draft top to finish more than twice. Once when writing it and then going back to do to clean it up. And normally I get far more time with, with material than that. So um, to be able to have that time and space away from novel is just, it's amazing and wonderful. And I think one of the first things you realize is how much it doesn't suck. Like, you know, when you're in the, the depths of it, everything, you get so close to the forest, you can't see the trees, you're deep in the weeds and it just feels like everything sucks. So to be able to have that time back from it is great because you realize that how much of it is good. It also gives you a time to come back and look at it from a plot standpoint. So giving advice on this is a little difficult because a lot of it will depend on the actual condition of the, the work that you're working with. Like maybe your plot is fully intact, but the writing needs to be cleaned up. And maybe the writing is great, but the plot well, didn't hold together. Let me jump in here with a, a couple of yeah. thoughts. One is that, A, surely the writing could be improved. And B, I remember when I set this aside that there were story issues, but they weren't like super big story issues. So one of my questions is, when, when I attack this again, what, what should be the, how should I separate those two? And, and should I do one before the other? Well, I think a lot of that's going to have to do, it's going to be very individualized because everybody has their own writing style. I can tell you what I would do, okay. but that doesn't mean it'd be right for everybody. So for me, the, the biggest issue, like I don't, it's kind of like the reason that I outlined to begin with is I don't want to spend all this time cleaning up and writing things and then find out that doesn't even work with the story. The plot doesn't hold together. So I really, for me personally, want to make sure that all the plot points work and then I'll go in and start cleaning stuff up. So for me, the priority in looking at old work would be reading it, um, just totally diving in and reading it and re-immersing myself in the plot. And, and I would be making notes to myself along the way, because especially depending on how much I did or did not remember. But also knowing me, there are going to be things that I'll hit that'll just like super irk me or super bother me that I will not be able to help but tweak and fix. And so I will do that at the same time. Like, And it'll be small things, but they're not going to be the type of things that I would invest a lot of time in until I know if they're going to stick. And sometimes I would just write, jot notes. And the easiest way for me to prevent myself from uh, not making it through to the end is to print it out. Because if it's on my screen, on a laptop, I'm going to mess with it. I, I can't help myself. It's the OCD nature of things. M other people might have more discipline and be more controlled, and in which case the goal is just to read it and jot notes for myself in the margins of, you know, wait, is this necessary? To just look at it with fresh eyes. 
Um, the, the story that I still have sitting in my drawer that I would then have to go and revamp for the third time. I mean, I, to make it work, I would have to gut it and completely restructure it. Um, otherwise, it's good the way it is. And I don't really know what's not working with it. Nobody can give me a definitive answer. So, and I've had a lot of people look at it. So, um, in your case, I would imagine that it's not as big of a deal. And so, with with that, I, I would okay. So I'm going to frame it in my own frame of reference with a half finished story that I have, or three quarters of the way through, where the plot mostly holds together and the writing needs to be improved because a lot of it's sketched. And there's like maybe a, a quarter of the book that I haven't fully finished the rough draft for at the end and where I'm a little hazy on the plot too. So um, for me, I would go to something like that and I would start at the beginning and I would start reading. And the reason why I would start reading from the beginning is to pull myself back into it. It's been so long since I've, I've worked with it that even though I have a sense in my head maybe of how the story goes, I don't remember the words on the page. I don't remember the tone. I don't remember any of that. And by re-immersing myself, by putting myself back in that, it puts me in the frame of mind that when I hit those hard spots, I already have something to work with. And I, I won't go right into finishing a draft. The last thing I would do is go to the part where I, where I was at, like um, where it started getting really muddy and messy and then kind of trails off into nothing where my ink ran out. Um, metaphorically speaking. So I don't want to do that because if I start there, then I, I'm just going to put it away and never look at it again because it's going to be overwhelming to me. So I go back to the beginning where it's good and it's polished and I start reading and I start you know, familiarize myself with the characters. And, and if I run into things where I'm like, that doesn't feel right, instead of if I have it printed out, I can just drop, drop notes to myself. And then Maybe some of my questions get answered the further along I get. Maybe they don't, but the notes are there. And, and so I have sort of a, a co-framework as I'm working through it. And as I'm doing this, I'm really going to be focusing on story. I'm not, unless I can't help myself tweaking stuff, I'm not going to be focusing on the writing because the story is the important part. The characters are the important part. You have to have all of that together and working first before you can even clean up what's not working. So that's where I would be coming from with those types of materials is re-immerse myself in it and take a bird's eye view from it. And once I had that bird's eye view, I would fill in gaps that I felt the next step would be fill in gaps that I felt needed filling um, or write stuff as raw draft that needed to be done so that the story itself is complete. And then once I have that, go back to the beginning again and start looking through the writing as a, it can treat that as like my first pass through it and then bulk out. Obviously the, the places that I had just finished in um, are going to be the roughest. And so that's, I'll, I'll probably be pretty smooth going and I'll hit those. And then it'll be like, all right, I'm just going to, it's going to take a long time and I'm not going to The best thing you can do is not pressure yourself for time. I mean, you do want to have goals, but you're, you're kind of, you don't know what you're dealing with, right? So you you just want to be consistent in working on it, but not like I need to have this finished by X day because you're working with the past. You're not working with a current project that you're working on where you can just like go at it and just throw those words on the page. This is in all kinds of states of repair or disrepair. So the goal is to get that the framework completely built out fill in any gaps that need to be filled out. And then you go and start changing things based on 
big picture stuff that you felt was wrong with the story, do all your restructuring, shifting around, and then once you've got your draft, more or less uh, the framework of it, the structure of it, the way you want it, then you go and you start making it pretty. That's what I would do. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the way everybody should do it. My my initial sense is that my uh, my understanding of story is a little stronger now than when I first wrote this. So I'm guessing that that would be an area that could be cleaned up. There's normally a lot in my <clears throat> in my manuscripts that can be taken out, um, but this one is only it was fifty thousand words, which is what I was shooting for actually fifty to sixty thousand words in the Reggie book, which came came in closer to a hundred thousand <laughs> words. Growing, yeah, yeah, and so I it feels like this would be relatively simple to to work on, but I, I won't know until I get into it. There was, there was a reason right. that I stopped. And what I did was I, I had it done and I still didn't feel like I, I understood the character well enough. So I wrote a collection of short stories, which I published called Four Seasons of Reno Hart. And after that, I felt like I knew the character better. And my plan was to go back to redo the, uh, the novel but I didn't. Instead, I, I started on the uh, the Reggie uh, novel, which is now far enough along, and it, it, it is going through a process that's taking some time, and so I've got extra time that I could I could apply to this, and I, I think it would be interesting to see what I could do with it. And if I, I if I could get it if I could get it to where I was happy with it, I could publish it and win a bet. <laughs> One thing I think you'll discover as you go back into it is that uh, not only has your story sense improved, but your writing has improved. Yes. And it's going to be irritating. <laughs> you're going to feel irritated, and you're going to get in and keep fixing things and fixing things. I'm speaking to, to myself here with this. You kind of have to know at what point you're going to hit your diminishing returns um, and hand it off to somebody else to look at or set it aside again to give yourself some space away from it. Um, because, at least for me, the the tweaking is is never it never ends. It's always I I was just reading a draft of uh, I mean an advanced reader's copy. I was looking at some of the pages of advanced reader's copy of Liar's Legacy, which is the first. This is the first time I've had a chance to look at it and be away from it for a little while. Uh -huh. And I granted this one is a little different than most in the sense that I did not have time. It, it is not the writing as clean as I normally would like to have it. I simply didn't have the time, but there's a chance that uh, many readers won't notice, but I notice, and I just want to get in there with a red <laughs> and change it all up. I'm so frustrated reading it, but that's me. And that's how my brain works. And I think you probably will experience a little bit of that when you pull a draft out simply because you've continued to learn and grow along the way. Well, that, that's what I'm hoping. And I do have a slightly better revisions process now than I did uh, a couple of years ago. It's actually, I think it's a lot better. Um, and it, it, it is, it's a very mechanical process just going through and looking for some of the specific things that we've talked about on the show through the course of the years that, that just kind of bring down your writing. And so just plucking some of those things out once I get the story right um, might get it to a point where it's it's good enough to show to somebody. So on this subject, um, so I'm going to treat it like 
this is embarrassing. I'm going to treat it like you're my student. I'm the teacher, right? And I'm going to, to gear this specifically towards you because um, this might be more helpful even than anything else I've said on the subject is like if I were guiding you specifically on how to handle this, I would say let's build you a checklist of things that we're looking for. What are the key things that we're looking for to that we've discussed over the years? One is character and motion. The other is cause and effect. Um, every scene has to have a purpose. And so those those three things, like those are story structure things, which is the most important to look at. We you can always look at, you know, do the fiddling and the the, the hunting and searching and the you know thought, action, speech, etc. Um, later. But so those three, and then everything has to tie together. There has to be a reason for it. And then big one is don't make it easy. And we haven't talked a lot about that on the show yet. We've talked about it some, not a lot, and do want to do future shows on this. But don't make it easy. Don't don't go the easy route where uh, because you don't know how something would work or you don't know a certain piece of technology or whatever to not include it, to write around it. Because the easier something is, the um, the less it's going to have impact on the reader. To, the, the, the easier it is, the less conflict there is in, in many different ways. And the, the deeper you can go, the harder you can make it. Google is there, you have references, you have research sources for research. It takes time, but that's where that strength in writing comes from. The strength in story, I should say, comes from, is from that depth and, and making it hard. Don't make character interactions too easy. Don't make the dialogue easy, make it hard. And if you keep that in mind and you include that to cause and effect um, and you include that to every scene has to have a purpose and you include that to character and motion, you're going to solve almost all your story issues right there on, on that first draft. OK, so the checklist, as, as because I, I think you said cause and effect in two or three different ways. So I want to be sure that those aren't multiple instances of, or, or they're not different things that should be on the check, checklist. Character and motion Just, is one. Cause and effect mm -hmm. is two. Every scene has to have a purpose is three. And don't make it easy is the overarching four. four. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and cause and effect, it, has, it shows up in multiple ways. It shows up in dialogue. It shows up in, as we were speaking of in, in last week's podcast, it shows up in uh, aimlessness mm -hmm. and, you know, in bookending. But cause and effect is the underlying uh, concept behind it. So sometimes it can be hard to spot. And you can't say it's only this one thing, but cause and effect is the is the overarching concept. Okay, I have my checklist. I can't wait to see what you do with this. Now I'm excited. I can't wait to see what you do with your uh, manuscript in the drawer. <laughs> well, there's a long line of things I got to get to first <laughs> before I finally get to that one again. <laughs> All right. Thank I've lost a year of my life to that sucker. I'm not doing it again until, until I uh, have time for a break. <laughs> All right. So we have. I, I think we've covered this topic, and I hope. I my sense is that lots of authors have manuscripts in drawers. That there's this old saying that'll never see the light of day. But in some instances, it might be possible to take that old manuscript and turn it into something that should see the light of day. I just want to add um, a little anecdote here um, that a lot of times when, and I've heard this from multiple agents, that a, um, 
and they'll, they'll represent a work. And generally that's not the author's first book. And so once the author has pulled that out, then all of a sudden, and has gotten that sorted out, all of a sudden all the other stuff starts coming out of the drawer. And a lot of times the agents are like, whoa, no, don't, because, you know, there's a reason those are in the drawers okay. in the first place. But my, my kind of way I look at it is that, you know, that, that was time, time. You don't get your time back. And it could have been just time put towards learning. But I, I personally feel that most stories, <laughs> my own one, possibly being the exception, are salvageable um, to some extent. And the more you learn, sometimes it means completely gutting them and revamping them. It doesn't mean that as they are, they're okay. And that's kind of what the, the agent's concerns were, is that it's like, oh, and I've got this one and I've got this one. And that's what they mean by there's a reason they're in the drawer. But with time and effort and looking at them from fresh eyes and tearing the story apart, I think most stories can be salvaged. I know how important you or how much importance you put on the work involved in, in creating a manuscript. So I know it kills you to have something in the drawer that you you are you haven't gone further with yet. Yes, it's deadly. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I will do, hopefully I'll live long enough to do something with it. All right, thank you guys for listening. We will be back in your ear next Tuesday. See you next week, guys. Thanks for being here.